You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. It is great to be with you. I am joined by, of course, Trish McFarland. Trish, how are you today? I'm good, Steve. How are you? I am fantastic. It's a great day in Western New York. I'm back home after many weeks on the road. Feels good to be back. It's nice and cold. It's fall. It's getting dark very early. How are, how are things uh, in your neck of the woods, Trish? I think very similar. We're um, I've I think I've been off the road one week longer than you, so I'm actually <laughs> feeling really really good this week. I I don't I think uh, friends and fam- family seem to think that when you travel, it's very exciting and exotic, which certainly can be true, but also very exhausting. So I think I looked, I was on the road uh, seven out of the last eight weeks and I am so thrilled to be home for a while. So all good here. Well, great. So before we get to today's show, we want to thank, of course, our show sponsor, Virgin Pulse. You can learn more about them at www.virginpulse.com, sponsoring the show since forever. Many thanks to them. Uh, Also wanted to mention, Trish, you did some great shows out from Oracle Open World that have posted recently. Maybe just talk real quick about the one you did with the CHRO from the city of Memphis that folks might want to check out. You know what? The shows at Oracle Open World were actually wonderful, and I've got another exciting one that I'm getting ready to post here in the next day or two from Ceridian as well. So um, I think one of the best things about getting out and about in the fall is that you actually get to do shows live in person with people who are doing really smart, really innovative things. Um, For any practitioner, though, the show with the city of Memphis, uh, CHR, she is absolutely stunning, amazing person. Um, She's doing really practical things in a very exciting way that um, has never been done with that employer. They have about 8,000 employees. And so it's really exciting to hear about their HR transformation, both from a strategy perspective. And then also we got into a little bit of the mechanics around selection and implementation. I mean, it's certainly not a show just about that, but sort of the the why behind getting new technology, getting the buy-in, kind of all those burning questions that a lot of listeners have. So I would absolutely encourage people to listen in. Um, it was a, she was really really good. Yeah, definitely. And she's just fun. Definitely, you know, definitely, fun guests are always good. Yeah, definitely a great show. So check that out, and also check out the one we did with Aaron Ain recently. Trish and I did uh, a show with Aaron Ain, CEO of Kronos, and we talked about his new book, Work Inspired. And I was just out at the Kronos event this week, and uh, you could really see how. Uh, his leadership and and what they've done there around engagement and creating a great culture and a great place to work, you know, pardon the cliche, uh, really shows up in in, uh, just their their people, their customers, the loyalty, just the great, great company, great event, super show as well. So thanks to Aaron and and, and for doing that. So last thing, Trish, uh, the Alexa show uh, is still out there. I've probably been a little slack about doing them, but I'll probably do a couple more this week and we'll, we'll keep that going. So the HR Happy Hour show also on Alexa Add us to your daily flash briefing by searching for the HR Happy Hour skill. Okay, that's it for announcements. I promised the announcements would be short, and again, I, I, I dragged them out too long, so apologies for that. But Trish, we have a great guest. 
here waiting in the wings to, to welcome to the HR Happy yeah. Hour show to talk about technology in the workplace, which, hey, that's like right in our sweet spot here on the HR Happy Hour show. Our guest today is Dan Staley. He's a partner at PwC and the U.S. technology leader, and he helps organizations better connect and engage with their workforce by leveraging today's HR technologies. Dan has over 25 years experience in the human capital transformation and technology space, and he's got a passion for helping clients better leverage HR technology to enable their business goals and their associated people strategy. So the, the bio goes on forever, Dan. I told you I, I told you pre-show <laughs> I'd cut it short, and I am. Welcome, Dan, to the HR Happy Hour show. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks so much, Stephen Trish, for having me on. And I'm here in Atlanta, where it's a balmy 61 degrees. So it's ah, uh, there. You go. I, yes. I, I sense a little southern kind of thing thing in your voice, Dan. Are you from that the Georgia area? Uh, I grew up actually in Alabama, but I have uh, I've got I've got parents from Ohio, so I've got some Yankee in me. So I, I try to balance it out just a little bit. There you go. I love it down there. I went to South Carolina and uh, uh, school to college there. And uh, if I ever get back down there, Trish, uh, uh, if I ever get my feet back in South Carolina, I'm going to nail them to the ground so I never leave again. That's my plan right now. Are you really? Maybe that's your retirement spot. <laughs> Can I can I retire now? I mean, you're getting can I go close, right? After the right? Show? Can, can this be the farewell? <laughs> no, we're kidding. Hey, Early retirement. Yeah, I, I love I love that. But uh, no, I'm kidding. We love the show. We'll keep doing the show. Trish, we'll be doing the show in our 70s, like from the nursing home. That's the plan right now. So. Oh goodness. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Let's. No promises. Let's. <laughs> thank you. Let's talk about HR technology or technology in the workplace, Dan. Uh, first of all, man, PwC. You, you've got a long career working in HCM, technology and transformation space. I mean, technology in the workplace, I feel like we've never had more of it, but at the same time, it's not always easy to navigate, not always easy for, like, we'll just talk to the city of Memphis CHRO just recently about this very same topic about choosing the right technologies for work and workplaces. Maybe before we get into the, the, the survey, and the report that we're going to talk about in a little bit of detail. Maybe Dan could tell us a little bit about what you're seeing happening in organizations around these workplace technologies, you know, their their selection, their deployment, and what are some of the some of the things you're seeing in the market? Well, certainly, Steve. I mean, we it's obviously changing at a really rapid pace, as everybody knows. And I think the big trend, uh, which I'm not telling either of you anything new, is is the move to the cloud and and organizations really wanting to get better innovation and get quicker innovation and quicker release cycles and you know really kind of drive in that workforce experience so that has been really the big the big move is organizations really moving off a lot of these older legacy on-premise technologies into the cloud where you're getting releases you know two three four times a year and uh, that's just given them a lot more capabilities and a lot more tools for their workforce. So that's probably the, been the biggest transformation that we've seen that's really disrupted uh, almost every organization that we talk to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Dan, recently, uh, we're seeing this all over the place, right? I mean, every day we do the HR, I do the HR tech show, Trish talks to all these, these CHROs and, and, and the, some of the vendor folks as well. And, and that's constantly, right? We're, we're, all we're talking about is how these technologies can be leveraged more successfully inside of organizations. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, too, uh, I, oh, I was just going to say, I think that um, for a lot of the listeners, they might hear that this has been a trend for a while. And I love that you brought that up right away because 
just because they're not doing it in their organization yet does not mean that they're far behind, right? I mean, because I think that a lot of people have this perception that everyone else is in the cloud except our company. <laughs> can, can you maybe like talk a little bit about that? Because really, this is still new. It's okay that they're not Absolutely. that far down the path. Oh, absolutely, Trish. So we typically, and I'll talk about it in a minute, do an annual HR tech survey. And what we found was, yes, 73% of organizations did have some HR process in the cloud. So whether it could be recruiting or performance or succession, um, you know, one of the one of the kind of main process areas. But the barometer that I'd like to use is really core HR, because to me, that means you move your core, you're really invested. And really, only about 46% had had moved their core. Uh, this is from a survey that we did last year, where we, you know, surveyed about 300 plus organizations. And so, I do, I do think we're we're pretty early. Um, yes, smaller, mid-market, upper mid-market organizations have moved first and in mass, but we are certainly seeing some of the larger enterprises with 100, 200, 300,000 employees starting to move, and those are really the mega transformations. Uh, that can take years to complete. Yeah, and it's uh, when you think about those kind of projects, right? It's funny, and this was honestly, it's interesting. This is not kind of really what we were intending to talk about exactly, but it's interesting because, like, I'm reminded, and Dan, you too, probably from your career doing this for a long time, they don't seem all that different in many ways from those big, kind of big ERP transformation projects that happened, say, in the 90s up until the Y2K era, right? These giant, massive kind of shifts to new technologies that companies were going through for different reasons and with different technologies and now it's starting to happen again and uh, for some of the same reasons but with even better and newer technologies but it's it's funny how it, it doesn't seem all that different than 20 years ago i hate to date myself trish i've heard about it people tell me that's what it was like i wasn't really there well yeah absolutely well and it's it's harder because i i think with the newer cloud technologies there's less ability to customize it and you know make it your own and so it requires uh, more discipline around changing processes and and you know changing behaviors and, and i think you you mentioned the the recent study you know we've pwc has done this hr tech survey for the last five or six years and generally the respondents have been people in hris or people in hrit and so we've gotten the perspective of the proverbial back office of how they're deploying and using technology. And what we thought would be interesting to do this year was to actually survey the the worker. Uh, yeah. You know, what's kind of the worker's point of view and how are they kind of embracing and adopting or not adopting this new technology? Yeah. And let's get into that, Dan, because that's what kind of piqued our interest in wanting to, to have you on the show today. I mean, there's lots of reasons to want to have you on, but this particular survey got released not too long ago. And let me level set about it just a little. This survey, uh, PwC talked to or surveyed to over 12,000 people from around the world, Canada, China, the U.S., many other places to share their views about the digital tools that they are using in their daily work, right? So, uh, and, and the survey respondents were from, you know, kind of all generations, all titles, every industry, right? You're, you're surveying a wide and deep uh, uh, set of people, and you wanted to know, like, kind of what are their experiences with the technologies that they're using in their workplace, or, or maybe maybe better said, are being provided to them to use to get their work done and, and their thoughts and with hopefully the idea of, hey, let's let's hear what the employees think about the technologies that they're being provided and they're using at work and how can we 
learn about uh, how, how do we learn to make better decisions around the technologies that we deploy into our, into our workplaces. And so it's a really interesting uh, survey. We'll, we'll provide the links in the show notes, but if you go to pwc.com slash US tech at work, you can find the survey that we'll be talking about. And then I'll just pitch one out to you. The, one of the first interesting findings in the research that I saw was that 90% of the C-suite executives who responded, they said that their company really does pay attention to their employees' needs when introducing new technologies, but only about half the employees, 53% or so, feel the same way. I'd love for you to comment about that disparity between kind of what the execs think about how they're doing with technology deployment and strategy versus the bit of a disconnect in what the employees say about the technology. Absolutely. Now, that was one of the most interesting findings, I think, in the survey was that disconnect. And, you know, when you start thinking about, well, why did that happen? I mean, I think it's like any relationships that we have in our daily lives, right? I mean, the cause of most of the disconnects come from lack of communication. Uh, you know, asking, listening, observing, validating. Uh, what I've seen is it's not that often that the head of sales is entering sales orders or the CHRO is opening a job <laughs> right. rack or CFOs doing a journal entry. I think they're relying on their support teams to you know, really be their eyes and ears. And, and uh, you know, I know what you've seen in the market, but I typically rarely see IT or HR truly spend the cycles in the field studying the day in the life experiences and the, and the issues before recommending and deploying a technology fix. Yeah, Dan, that's a super uh, comment. And, and it's one of the things that uh, I mentioned, like some of these technology transformations and these projects don't seem all that different to say now today than say 20 years ago. And that's one of the things too, we've heard for a long, long time, right? A, a best practice around doing a software selection or software implementation was always how you you know you must uh, involve the end users you must involve the frontline people you must involve the people whose work is going to be in many ways transformed or or really um uh, you know displaced perhaps even by these technologies or disrupted maybe is a better word but yet sometimes we're not so great at that like i feel like we've seen a lot of software demos you know where the vendor focused mostly on kind of executive level dashboards and reporting, right, for 85% of the demo and spent 10% of the time talking about, as you said, sales order entry or journal entries or opening up a job rec. So I wonder if that's something you see too when you work with companies around technology selection processes. We absolutely do. And I think you hit a, a great one. It's A, what, where do the vendors spend their time when they're doing the pitches and many times it is the back office transactions and then if you look around the room and see who's in the room evaluating it's you know it's the it's the execs it's the managers kind of in the support functions but generally we don't see uh, representation from frontline managers or kind of frontline workers now i think that is changing i i do think there's some vendors out there that are are starting first with the employee, with the manager experience. But I, I think getting those perspectives is is really important. I mean, I'll give you an example. We've worked with numerous companies when they're contemplating putting more tools in the hands of their managers. And, and, and all too often we hear things like, oh, our managers don't want that or our managers won't use that. It's a generational thing. But when we probe, we often find out that they've never really asked. Uh, and, and further, I, I like to remind my clients that you know, your workforce are using very similar apps and digital tools in their personal lives on a daily basis. So to say uh, people aren't comfortable with 
doing something on their mobile, you know, it's just just not true for the, you know the vast majority of people in the world. Well, you know what, too, Dan, I think a lot of that goes back to, especially if you have, say, your C-suite in the room. You know, I've been both on the buyer side and then on the vendor side. Um, a lot of times it's more of a statement of what their comfort level is with the technology. So if they're not comfortable using maybe some of the, you know, the phone apps, they'll, they'll say, well, that's not really important to our organization. I think the other thing, too, is, you know, we talk a lot about having a really good change management strategy. But when you really dig in on, again, whether I've been in, uh, on the buyer side sort of implementing things or whether I've been on the vendor side, it sort of goes both ways where, you know, we always talk about having that strategy. I don't know. I don't see a lot of companies really, I guess, design, spending as much time and effort designing the sort of the communications and who to include as they do with just flat out buying the technology. And that's, that's a little bit of a myth. Um, I know there was one point when I was working in healthcare, we actually um, used PwC to help us with that. And I think that's where I really learned the importance of that because it wound up being, you know, at the time it was much, probably 18 month process that we went through, but it really helped in the end result of getting people to use the technology because we included them every step of the way. Um, are you seeing that, that that's something where you can really kind of push back and educate your customers on you know, how does that change management really impact the overall um, adoption at the end? Absolutely. Well, and first, Trish, thank you for the plug on <laughs> PwC. Uh, but yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the big, you know, one of the really big outcomes of this, and we'll talk a little bit later in, in the survey about, you know, motivations and why people are using technology and what makes somebody adopt it, not adopt it. But one of the big takeaways absolutely is the refocusing on the better communication and, and the change management strategy, um, you know, early on and the whole way through, not only to get feedback uh, from the very beginning, but also to have that continual feedback loop and to understand what motivates people and to, to craft your, your plans around that. So in some cases, adoption could be just simply resistance and not understanding of why this technology is important and why I need to change the way I work. But in other cases, it, it could be a mess where we really don't understand the problem and had we listened better and had a better dialogue between the workforce, we could have built and designed a better approach. So I think that is a big part of what organizations do. I mean, one of the stats I'll, I'll leave you with, too, on this topic is, um, you know, the silver lining to me is that 73% of the people surveyed said they knew of systems and applications that would help them produce higher quality work. So the workforce believes they can provide value and insight to what would work best for them if we only asked and, and really listened to them. Yeah, Dan, that's a really important point. I apologize for a little delay there. I put myself on mute. Trish, I, the mowers are out in full force in my neighborhood today, so I've been kind of muting and unmuting myself. So I do apologize if, if you hear any kind of leaf blower kind of noise uh, leaking through here. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, I, the election's over, but I'm going to run for mayor in the next cycle in my town, Trish. And you know what my one campaign plank is going to be? My single one, my only one? No leaf blowers? No leaf blowers. I'm going to ban them. <laughs> <laughs> Back to rakes and brooms. That's exactly right. It's an abomination. Uh, so right. a, a little off of our show topic, but I'm gonna. This is something you can both think about after the fact, and, and you can uh, maybe at the very end tell me tell me if this is something you can uh, contribute. But I saw a fun thing on Facebook where it said if you take your last name 
and then whatever you sent in your last text, and that's your, your new campaign slogan. So you'll have to think about what that might be. I can tell you mine yesterday when I saw that was uh, McFarland. I'm digging out. Nice. That's my slogan. Nice. Right there. I like that. I, I will have to check. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think my last text was probably about like some ramen noodles that I ate uh, last week. So, well, probably. Well, yeah, they were great. Yeah. You'll have to think about it. All right. So uh, let, me get, let me get this back under control. You know, suburban hell going on here outside my window. I'll try to do manage with that the best, uh, the best I can. Do a quick reset. We're talking with Dan Staley from PwC about technology in the workplace and talking specifically about the results of a recent survey PwC did with 12,000 global workers around uh, the technologies that they use at work and, and how they feel about them and, and, and just trying to get a little bit of insight in around how we can get better at selecting and deploying and supporting employees with technology. Dan, one of the other things that I pulled out from the survey, and there's plenty there, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll put the link in, in the show notes. One of the things we've learned, and this is really important in a really tight labor market, in a time when uh, employees, many of them have options, many employees are willing to learn. They're willing to spend their time on training to, to kind of upgrade their skills, upgrade their value in the in the workplace. Um, uh, I'd love for you to comment a little bit about what employees are telling their organizations about, hey, here's what we'd like to do. Here's how like, we'd like to grow our careers or expand our capabilities vis-a-vis uh, -vis technologies. Absolutely, yes. Steve, I mean, workers want to learn. I mean, they they want to retool and become more digitally fed. Uh, one of the stats we had in the in the survey was from World Economic Forum, and they estimated that by 2022, more than half or 54 percent of employees are going to need significant training, with more than a third of that number, 35 percent, needing at least six months worth of effort. Now, you would think that people would push back at that much time away and that much time spent learning, but um, Really, what we found was the opposite, that people really want to invest the time and organizations should want them to do that as well. I mean, a more informed, educated workforce, especially at the latest technologies, is only going to help an organization stay more relevant and, and surface more innovative ideas from their people. So I, I think the problem is that, you know, many feel that there aren't enough ways to develop skills through the workplace and they also told us that they weren't being valued for it. So only 50% of staff were satisfied with the resources they had at their disposal to learn. Uh, and then 46% said even if they did learn and invest the time, their company really doesn't recognize employees or value employees doing that. So I think that's, I think, a real big challenge. So that not only do organizations need to provide the tools and promote learning, but they also need to reward for it. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you just a real quick example from PwC. I can't think of a better example than what we've been doing internally to upskill our team. So we, we have like three things that we've been doing that I'm very proud of. I mean, one is we released a digital fitness app that we actually light, you know, sell to clients as well, but we used it first ourselves. And it really gave, you know, each person had it on their, uh, on their phones and on their, you know, devices and you took a quick digital fitness app. So it asked you questions about how often you read articles, you know, asked about certain technologies, whether it's drones or AI or RPA. And you first got a little bit of assessment for really where you were. And then based on that, it served up a whole host of podcasts and learning and articles you could read and maybe TED Talks and, and that you could kind of get better and you can constantly take that assessment. So that was one thing that really helped everybody, 
you know, move along. I think the second thing was we had a program called Digital Accelerators where we pulled, you know, a thousand people out of the practice and put them in intensive training away from their jobs. I think like 300 plus hours of training and they learned about all the latest technologies, some of the ones I mentioned, blockchain, et cetera. And then the idea is they're going to go back into their respective jobs and bring some of those learnings back into what they do in their in their daily lives and and that'll really I think help generate a lot of ideas and then the third we do we have this thing called power up which is a a live trivia game show app that we do every Tuesday and Friday for 30 minutes and you can play individually or with teams of people and it's just you know trivia questions about our digital strategy as a firm you win cash prizes so there's a lot of focus on everybody learning everybody kind of doing it together and, and coming along really so that we can be relevant in the future. And so I, I think organizations need to do more things like that, provide the tools, provide incentives, and just recognize you know, people for doing it. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I like the idea of that app. It's like that, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking on the name of it, though, that um, that trivia app that's kind of got went, went viral right a, a few months ago. Um, oh, man, it's embarrassing, Trish, when I bring up the reference, and I can't think of the name of it. But, uh, <laughs> I've heard of it, but I don't think I've yeah. used, used it either. Yeah, yeah. But, um, no, that's a really cool idea. It's in a great way to use kind of newer technologies or just new. I think newer is not the right word. They're not new anymore, I suppose, right? The iPhone came out in '07, But the technologies that everybody's just carrying around with them all day long, every day, right, to engage the workplace, uh, workforce and learning and acquiring new digital skills and being engaged in things beyond just the digital skills, the, the actual strategy and the goals of the organization and make it fun and make it in a way that's easily consumable. It kind of hit, hits all the right kind of buttons, right, of, of how to engage people with content and with technology today in 20, uh, 2018, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, too, it also it shows that it shows that what you're doing internally um, closes the loop on some of those things. I think, too, that maybe that's what organizations struggle with. They think, well, if I have an app or people are playing a game, you know, it's taking time away from work. I think you, especially in your second example where you're talking about how, yes, you are pulling people out for, you know, up to 300 hours of education on some of these, you know, emerging technologies. But then they're very much encouraged to go back and see how does that apply into their you know, the work that they're doing for their customers. So I think maybe that's sort of a takeaway for any organizations who are maybe struggling with, okay, how do I convince my, my C-suite to do something like this? Well, that's it. It's, it's kind of closing that loop, I think. And, um, you know, hearing case studies of, of what PwC doing is, is just one way of sort of bolstering those conversations, I think. Yep. That's right. That's right. I think just just being aware and building the awareness. I think a lot of organizations, I think where this kind of survey is interesting is that uh, I think a lot of organizations probably don't realize the, the, the degree to which their workforce would spend the time uh, to upskill. So I think they just need a little encouragement. Yeah. I, Dan, I think the last thing or one more thing anyway that I wanted to talk about that I teased out of the survey when I, when I read the report was um, – around this kind of the balance between employees' desires for more and better and more sophisticated technologies to help them either get their work done or to help them find information, get answers, um, you know, facilitate many HR processes like getting help, learning about policies, maybe even enrolling in benefits, you name it, right? There's a thousand of them we can talk about. I'd love to talk about that balance, though, in how organizations can think about 
striking the proper balance between, say, technology, automation, self-serve, right, which has been around forever, and more hands-on, personal, maybe even one-to-one kinds of approaches and support um, strategies such that employees don't feel uh, – I guess there's such a thing as too much technology and too much automation, particularly for, for our audience would be interested on the HR side of things is and how what, what the survey kind of suggests and, and maybe even beyond that what – how you think about and how you work with clients about managing that balance between throwing more and more technology around uh, processes and HR processes in particular, and, and the need to kind of engage employees as individual people. Sure. Well, in the survey, we listed 12 common activities, mostly in the HR area, as you mentioned. And we asked whether the worker would like to perform the activity face-to-face or via technology. And we expected, I certainly expected to see extremes on both ends. So either, you know, almost all technology for something or all face-to-face for other things. And the surprising thing to me was that people really wanted a mix. Uh, you know, the, I'll give you an example. So we had one of the activities was communicating with colleagues and, you know, 45% said they wanted that, you know, largely to be face-to-face, but 26% said they liked that to be primarily digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that's texting or it's emailing. And then performance reviews, 46% said face-to-face, but 30 said primarily digital. And so I think what we learn is that people really want a balance. So they, on a performance review, they probably like the instantaneous feedback that they get from the social media apps, a thumbs up or a kudos or, you know, rate me five stars or give me a quick blurb on how I'm doing, send me a recognition award. But on a career discussion of where I want to go in you know, three or five years, that's probably more face-to-face or some developmental feedback that's of some sensitive nature. And so it was like that, you know, there, yes, there were some transactions that were more heavily on one side or the other. I mean, even, you know, even something like uh, on more on the digital side, you know, updating personal HR information, 55% said they like that to be primarily digital, mm-hmm. but 25% said, you know, I'd like to have, I like to do those kind of things face to face. So, you know, I think there's three kind of key takeaways I would tell organizations would be one, you know, listen to your workforce, understand how they do the transactions, what they, you know, what they want from that. I think number two is provide options for how work gets done. And then I think, you know, number three is most activities are going to have both a human and digital component and both are going to impact your workers experience and both are going to provide an opportunity to engage your workforce in a positive way. So really, you know, take that into consideration as you design and deploy these processes. Yeah, Dan, I think that makes great sense. And I know I've told this story a couple times on, on, on the HR Happy Hour show, but I'll tell it again, Trish, for the benefit of our, our newer listeners. Um, way back when, when I was deploying uh, self-service applications uh, on the finance kind of side uh, 100 years ago, we rolled out, you know, the first uh, for the first time in this company had uh, digital pay slips, right? No longer we were, we had direct deposit for a while, but we were going to do digital pay slips, no more printed pay advice right mailed to the home or or handed around the office right that was our big our big move and as you'd imagine there was a revolt many people did not like that many people still preferred the printed pay slip and then one guy one 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 guy figured it out he found the flaw in the system which was if you changed your direct deposit advice from say 100% to the bank or you know 50% to one bank and 50% to the other bank which is what most people do with direct deposit right they they allocate the entire net pay right to to a bank this gentleman figured out if he allocated 
99% of his net pay to his bank and 1% of his net pay to a printed check, which we would still we would still do, then he would get a printed pay advice for 100% of his his pay, which is what he wanted. And once this gentleman figured it out, Trish, you know what he did after he figured out this little loophole, this little workaround? You know what this gentleman did? Did he call everyone? Thank you for saying asking the question because I know you've heard this story before. What this gentleman did was he emailed all fifteen thousand employees in the company, and with this workaround, and that he figured out how to game the system, and then you know a couple of hundred employees kind of implemented the same workaround, and you know so. Uh, my point was this. We we did not do a good job as following Dan's recommendations about kind of listening to our workforce because we didn't anticipate this. We didn't really provide options. And then this guy cleverly worked around and built his own option for us. And we didn't really, you know, back then, really kind of explain pr- properly how, hey, we're going to have a nice balance between technology and kind of kind of human kind of interaction and old school interaction. So we failed, Dan, on all three, yeah. all three of well, your recommendations. Yeah. But it's a good lesson. I mean, have yeah, you thought about it? the way you described it we maybe could have not had that problem uh at least not so badly well i think that's true and 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 having people understand you know why uh, you know why you're doing that right it's it's you know it's printing less paper it's saving the environment really understanding you know why the organization is trying to do that i think would motivate some people uh in part at least to uh to better embrace it so that gets back to trisha's point about that upfront communication plan and really understanding uh, and, and, and predicting the pushback you're going to get and then kind of devising a, an approach around that. Yeah. I love that story, though. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, it's been a while since I told it. Also, absolutely true, every bit of it. So unlike many of my other stories. So, hey, Dan, this has been super fun, uh, really interesting. <laughs> Great to connect with you and talk a little bit about technology in the workplace and, and how organizations can kind of think about a little bit more um, – expansively about how they make these technology decisions and approach the technologies that they're providing to their workplace. It's a big issue. It's interesting and it's, it's never, it's not going away anytime soon. So I, I'm really appreciative that PwC is, is thinking very, uh, thinking very hard about this and trying to figure out like ways for organizations to make better decisions. Uh, so Dan, thanks for, for sharing some of the information around the study. And of course we'll link to the, the full study in the show notes. So we, we will encourage people to, to download and read uh, after they listen to the show. That's great. Well, thanks so much for having me on. And yeah, there's a lot more in the study and and good discussions on some of the motivations that people have in embracing technology. So um, definitely I'd encourage you and your listeners to get out there and take a look at it. And this has been a lot of fun. I'd love to be back on to some point. Absolutely. We love that too, Dan. So really appreciate it. I didn't even ask you. We, we, we learned for you, you're in Atlanta down in the area. Are we college football guy, Dan? You got an Alabama guy? Are we Crimson Tide fan? Absolutely. I am a, I am a Red, crimson red through and through. I went to, uh, was computer science major at the University of Alabama. So we're, we're sitting pretty. My kids don't know a day when we weren't, um, we aren't competing for national championship. I told them that is not normal. That enjoy it while it lasts. It won't last forever. That is super fun. So yeah, I, I, it's uh, we'll we'll cover that down on our other podcast that Trish and I do exactly. like college football about... today. Yeah, we'll we'll have yes. you back on to talk about that. So um, Trish, any last words from you uh, before we, we we let you get back to uh, all the fun and games going on in in HR Happy Hour HQ Midwest? Uh-huh. No, just thanks to Dan. It was really interesting, and I do think that a lot of people, you gave a lot of good takeaways. So as they listen back, um, it's you know, I always love when we can have those shows that really give people some, you know, 
laundry list of things to go back and sort of assess and uh, of course connect with you if they you know want to learn more and want to do more absolutely yeah great so okay great so that's uh that's it for today's hr happy hour show thanks to dan staley and everybody at pwc thanks to uh virgin pulse of course our sponsor www.virginpulse.com remember to subscribe to the hr happy hour wherever you get your podcasts for trish mcfarland my name is steve bose thanks for listening to the hr happy hour show we will see you next time bye for now Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.